Good morning. morning. And happy Father's Day. Yeah, happy Father's Day. Um, You know, I'd like to think about Father's Day for a few moments and and speak to that and, and move there. So in a different tone, different light, I'm going to change gears just a little bit. When I think about Father's Day, four things come to my mind and how I uncover it, discover it, and reflect on it. One is, I'm so thankful that I'm a dad. Alan. V. Mari told me when I, when I shared this message with her and Mary Ellen, they're teaching a children's ministry today, that, oh, you're going to have a hard time delivering this message. Rayleigh said, I'll pick out videos. I can get everybody to cry. I said, no, 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 I don't want any more videos. <laughs> I'll do it on my own. But God's blessed me with five children, two grandchildren, another one coming, and I reflect on that as one of the greatest things. I, I look at it and I say, thank you, God. And if, if you're a man in this room and you're a dad, you're probably thinking the same thing. God, thank you for the children you gave me. Thank you so much and what they mean to me. The other thing is realizing as I look deep and think about the day a little bit, I always kind of reflect back and say, I'm not quite as good as the greatest dad that says on that coffee cup or on the, on the tie. And there's some disappointments. And I think about things that have gone really well as a dad, and I think about things that, and it makes me reflect. The third thing I uncover when I think about Father's Day is my own, my own dad. And I think we do that, don't we? We kind of reflect back on our own fathers. If we had a time in their, in what they meant for us. Many of you met my dad uh, about a year and a half ago when he lived with us for several months. And his health deteriorated now. And, and, and quite a few of you know that the doctors are saying they don't expect him uh, to be with us the rest of the year. And so the emotion you know, of that and what's going on, um, you know, draws a lot out of me and a a lot out of us when we think about Father's Day. (laughs) I remember, uh, I remember, I'm I'm really old, but I I watched a show called Leave it to Beaver when I was a little kid. Some of you probably seen it on reruns because, you know, yeah, some of us saw it on originals, you know. Uh, I'm talking about the early 1960s, so if that this cuts out a big chunk of the audience in here. I know I take a risk to even mention the show. But in the show, the boy Beaver has got a diary, and he starts recording in his diary, and his life's not quite as, you know, embellished as he'd like it to be, and so he decides to add to it, and he creates a lot of problem and, and trouble as he starts recording his life. And I watched the episode, and I thought, I think I want, a, I think I want a, a diary. And I was six, almost seven years old at the time. And so I asked my dad, I said, can, you, can I have a diary? And he just looks at me, you want a what? You know, a diary, you just learn to write kind of thing. And, and um, that night he comes home from work, and he brings a, a black book to me, like, just like this one. I think, oh, Dad, thank you so much, thank you so much. And I'm already imagining how I'm, what I might write and whatever. And I turned over and looked at it, and it's the New Testament. And he wrote in it, you know, March 22, 1963, love, Daddy. <laughs> and I look back and I think, of all the things I could have, he could have gave me, that I would record stuff about my life that would have been meaningless for a six or seven-year-old, right? I mean, you know, what am I going to write? Or even if I were to carry the practice on into life, 
What he ended up giving me that meant the most is he gave me God's word. Think about it. Maybe he did it on purpose and <laughs> maybe it was just the, at the moment. But my dad handed me something that said, this will, this will impact your life more than what you can record. God's recorded something for you. I think about dad. Wow. A heavy, a heavy deal for Father's Day. But, whew, set that aside for a minute. Some of us don't have great, great memories of your father's. And I've already just mentioned that you're already spinning off and I've lost you. You know, come back. Because I've got a fourth thing about Father's Day, a fourth discovery that I'd like us all to go together with today. And that's with our Heavenly Father. I'd like to pull us back. The scriptures say he's the self-existent one, the creator, all-powerful, all-sufficient, sovereign, eternal, sustainer, Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, Savior, Lord of Heaven's armies, Mighty God, Holy, and Everlasting Father. Just to name a few. He's the one I want to focus on. He's the Father I want us all to think about just for a minute. Happy Father's Day, God. Happy Father's Day. Matter of fact, the Bible says... He loved us so much, he gave his one and only son, that everyone who believes, everyone who believes in Jesus will not perish but have eternal life. That's the father I want to talk about. Because whether someone's in this room or in your community or in your life that believes in God or not, I look at scripture and I says, it doesn't matter really what they believe, God's there and he loves them. He sent his son. And he wants that kind of relationship with the world. And he wants a relationship with each one of us in an intimate way only a father can have. So what's our part in honoring our Heavenly Father? I mean, it's a relationship, right? And so what do we need to do? Or do we need to do anything? It's all on God's hands. And that's a little bit of how our culture is today, isn't it? Like, uh, it's God's will, it's God's plans, it's God did this, and God did that, and it's good or bad, and whatever. You know, hope he straightens it out. But I think a relationship doesn't work well that way. Uh, translate in relationship with your spouse, or with your parents, or with somebody else, or a friend. Just say, oh, it's all on them. Whatever happens, they do, it's fine. I hope we have a great relationship. Doesn't work well, does it? We have a responsibility. And there are things I think the Father, Heavenly Father, desires from us. So let me ask you something. Are you satisfied with the key relationships in your life? Let that soak in for a minute. Are you satisfied with your relationship with your Heavenly Father? I think it's one of the most important questions in life, isn't it? Deep down within every one of us sitting in this room, that's listening to this video or this audio, we want to we know and be known. We, we want to have a, a relationship with someone. In, in, in some pool of people, in some intimate way that we can, they could know us and we could be known by them. And really it's modeled that way from birth, isn't it? Isn't it? It's almost as if 
That's God's design. A young child, an infant, is laid in the arms of its mother and with its father, and the intent is the baby doesn't know, doesn't know what's good, what's bad, whatever, but the intent and the right design is that that baby will be taken care of, that young infant and child is going to be loved, and there'll be a sense of security and bond within that child as it grows up. It'll grow and know, and know what that, that feels like to be loved. It's a, it's a relationship that comes first one way, but then develops over time and becomes two ways. Very recently, one of the young people of our past that uh, Aurelia and I have invested our hearts and lives in outside of our own children, um, and we spent time with and, and, and doing things with, they texted me. And I'm like, oh, cool, I got a text from, from them. I haven't heard from them in a while. And the text said this, thank you for helping me understand the security and love of our Father, our Heavenly Father. That was all the text said. Thank you for helping me understand the security and love of our Heavenly Father. And I was like, wow, I wonder what brought that on, but made me think back, made me reflect on the times that Aurelia and I had had with this person and and time we'd spent with them and how they would reach out like that to me today. And so it made me think, what, what is, I wonder what they meant by security. And so I just turned in the dictionary, online of course, and start reading, what, what's security mean? And I looked at, it's like multiple layers when you think about security. First, it's that place of safety and protection, right, from danger or harm. So when there's security, you feel, you feel safe, right? You feel protected from either present danger or the potential risk. But another layer of security is when you feel, that's, when you feel security, you actually verify that the source it's coming from is dependable and trustworthy to you. A young infant, young baby in the arms of its mother and father receiving love and attention and that security, it's something that they just feel that natural kind of love and, and it they verifies that's, that's the people I want to be with. And if you spend any time uh, with us around the kid zone and you, or back in the nursery, a little ones, if you ever reached out, a mom or a dad's holding their young child, and you reach out, can I hold her for a second? And she pulls back and draws back because she wants to be with daddy, wants to be with mommy. Because that's where they, that's verified that place that's secure, right? That place they feel their love. But no, no, I'm not sure about you yet, you know? You look kind of weird. You're, you're bald and you've got uh, hairs going out of your face. What's that stuff going on, you know? They just don't, they don't know me. They don't know us. But then there's another layer of security that comes up. And it's, and it's for the person who receives the security, there's a peace of mind that comes up. There, there's a peace that's that protection that you feel, that you feel like, I'm, I'm where I need to be. So you see how it evolves in kind of layers when you talk about security. I said, oh, that must be what, somewhat what they meant. I could think of some things. And then they mentioned love. Well, they weren't thinking about, it wasn't romantic love. The Bible talks about, like, uses four different words for love. And we think about romantic love or, or brotherly love or, or a family love. And maybe there was a little bit of the family love that was going on there. But the Bible speaks of, and this person is speaking of, the a love from God. The agape love. The love that's selfless and sacrificial. Unconditional. And so something this person was telling me in this text message that really touched my heart is there was a time and you've showed me that comes from the Father through your lives. You've shown me what it is to feel secure, to feel protected, to know that I can trust my Heavenly Father. 
right? Verify him as that source of that. And, and I'm at peace where I'm at right now, and I just feel his love through you. Well, at the back end of the text, they shared a Bible verse. Philemon 1.7. I wonder what that says, so I look it up, and I read it. Of course, then I have to cry. But your love has given me much joy and comfort, my brother, for your kindness has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. Joy and comfort. When we're in a secure place, when we feel God's love, we do have a joy that starts emanating. It doesn't mean everything's changed. The circumstance got better, does it? But there's this, like, there's this joy, this calmness that comes over us. The Bible speaks a lot about joy and comfort. Matter of fact, joy is described as one of the fruits of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit Himself. Jesus spoke a lot about comforter and the comforter. So if you'll take your bulletin insert, if you have your bulletin today, the very top of that, I've noted what I think is the key phrase for this passage that I'm going to share with you. Key point of this sermon. That the security and love with, from an active relationship with our Heavenly Father is a place of our greatest joy and comfort. Doesn't that sound like a great place to be? I asked you earlier, are you satisfied in your key relationships in your life right now and with God? Let's press in a little bit and see what the Scriptures say. Because I think that's a place that we want to be. I believe as we practice this kind of security and love with our Heavenly Father, we'll learn something about how to share that with others and relationships with others. God, I come before you right now and I humbly say, uh, I need your help. Um, would you preach through me this morning? Would you speak through me and speak into our hearts, our lives? We, we do want a relationship with you. An intimate, growing relationship with the Creator, the Sustainer. You're the one who showed us the greatest love and compassion, Father. Would you teach us this morning one step in having a, a, a better relationship with you? Well, if you'll turn on the back of your bulletin and sort insert, I would like to, or better yet, if you have your own Bible, you can turn in Psalm 119. I got away from using uh, some PowerPoint overhead slides this morning. I just want to focus a little bit, either the Bible in your hand or your electronic Bible or the written words that are here. But let me read these words. I'll take a moment and read them, and let's dissect a little bit what's going on here, how we can understand more about the security and love of our Father, really enjoy the joy and comfort He intends for us. Psalm 119, verse 1. Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey His laws and search for Him with all their hearts. They do not compromise with evil, and they walk only in His paths. You've charged us to keep your commandments carefully. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. Then I will not be ashamed when I compare my life with your commands. As I learn your righteous regulations, I will thank you by living as I should. I will obey your decrees. Please don't give up on me. How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. I've tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart 
that I might not sin against you. I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. I have recited aloud all the regulations you've given us. I have rejoiced in your laws as much in riches. I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. Well, that's a lot to read. And one of the first impressions goes off, he says a lot about, seems like legal stuff. Laws and commandments and regulations and rules and decrees. And it brings me to the first point. I think our security, our security is found in the Scriptures and based in the Scriptures. He uses, this author uses eight different words, eight different words in referring to Scripture. That's why if you're reading along in a different translation that I used, you might have seen, oh, mine said this and that. But our Bibles... English versions use words like instructions, laws, testimonies, commands, commands, decrees, precepts, statutes, regulations, ordinances, judgments, rules. And when we hear that, our first reaction is, is, oh boy, that sounds like a lot of legal stuff to me. A lot of legalese. It's all the do's and don'ts that go on there. I want to live in grace. I just want to live in grace. And that seems kind of too much for me. And I started thinking about it a little bit, and Alan recently, just we just took him up and he got his uh, driver's permit. Way to go, Alan. Yeah. Pumping a fist over there. Well, for the first 16 of his li- years of his life, he sat in the back seat, and for the first years, unconsciously aware that mom and I were driving him around, then became kind of aware of where things were, and sometimes more advanced than his at the time, his teenage sisters about where we were at and how to get to somewhere. And, and then he became um, kind of our governor. Like, uh, isn't the speed limit here, you know, and quote this. And is that a, called a rolling stop, Dad? Or is that, you know, you know, and helping us with that. But over a period of time, over a period of time, 16 years, he's been observing that, right? He's been observing what we've been doing. And the intention of driving was to go somewhere in, in a safe, secure way. And notice that everybody else seems to follow the same general kind of guidance on how we get there. And from country to country, that can vary, you know. So the author uses words like instructions or teachings. And in a driver's license, we talk about the general kind of concept of, you know, you need to drive so everybody's safe and secure, right? Well, uh, Several months ago, Alan was given a, a manual or a, something online that's the driver's land, manual of Massachusetts. It's 170-some pages. or I mean, it's like, you know, it's the textbook on driving. And so you can read that manual and go through it. But does that tell you everything and the purpose about driving? Not really. And it has in it, though, it has things about generally, you know, you should move and flow with traffic. Okay, so general ideas and instructions. There's some guidance about, you know, there's posted limits. So there's actually precepts or decrees about what your speed limits are. And then it goes even further in some places that you have to watch and monitor what you drive in your speed because you're in certain zones. Maybe it's a, a school zone or railroad crossing or weather conditions. And above and beyond it all, it says the idea is that no matter what else everything says, you need to drive where it's safe and responsible for the conditions that you're in. And so when we think about what the author shared with us here in this text, he said, look, 
the Bible, the scriptures that, that we're called out to follow, that God's asking us to follow, provide something like this, but at a more massive scale. You know, there's some general guidance for just teachings of life. I have people ask often, like, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not sure God hears my prayers. I'm not sure about if I'm having the right relationship with God. But then I, re- I see, I'm like, well, he's given us a book. He's giving us words, and we can spend as much time as we want in them. There's no restriction. So he's given us some general kind of guidance in that way. One of the words that was used in here was a Hebrew word that has the idea with it somehow mandates ideas about your thoughts and behaviors. Others, it came from a word that has the idea of meaning the ordinances or rules derived from justice that just makes sense. There's things that are just right for society. It's one thing to say, I can get in my car and I can just drive. The idea is just to get to where I want to be. But the idea is to get to where I want to be in a safe way, in an orderly way. Oh, and by the way, there could be hundreds of thousands of other drivers all around me. And we're depending on them to follow the same kind of rules and guidance, aren't we? And God's saying, if we can order ourselves in a society around what the creator and how he's outlined for us to live, can you imagine how society might be, how we might function? As a society, how about function as a people? Function as a church home. Function within a relationship within a family. Can you imagine that? If we all follow within the guidance where God's leading us, you can see we'd lead in the same place. There would be some kind of security. There's nothing like getting in a traffic and say, if you've never been in a, a kind of a roundabout or in a traffic circle, where I grew up, there was one traffic circle or one roundabout in the whole city. In the whole city. Most people avoided it. They had no idea how to approach it. There, there wasn't one. So where I grew up, there wasn't one. You know, in other towns, I've been in other places around the world. You arrive and there's, there's one roundabout leads into two other roundabouts. And you're just constantly going like this. And, and people who are accustomed to it just seem to drive and weave through it without any kind of concern. But if there's not any rules or regulations or, and you're depending on others to follow them, what happens? It's chaos. So the author says, what I want you to do is I want you to look at the teachings, the witnesses, the testimonies, the scriptures. And he leads us there. That's to be the foundation. And he calls out through 16 verses probably a dozen times and uses words that refer to scriptures. Now, all I've just shared with you actually were only six of the eight words. Because then he uses two other words to talk about when he's referencing the scriptures themselves and he calls it the word. In verse 9, how can a young person keep their way pure by keeping it according to your word? And the idea here is about a physical word, a physical, you, you see it written, you see it pinned down. You know it's there, it's been spoken and said, and that's what it is. But the other word that he uses there has an idea of the implication of what the word means and the power that it carries going forward. Because there are power in our words and they don't stop just because we say them. Your boss calls you in and says, uh, hope you're having a good Friday. Oh, thanks. And if that's the conversation ends, that's the way the day goes on. Hope you're having a good Friday. I'm sorry you're fired. That carries implication, those words that take all other ramifications. Don't, suddenly you're going off to a thousand directions like, 
when's my last check? When, when am I going to get paid? I'm going to pay my bills. I mean, the ramifications that word goes on. When somebody casually bumps into you, say, oh, excuse me. Okay, I'm glad they at least said it, you know, whether it looked like they meant it or not. But when somebody takes you and, and, and holds you by the shoulders and takes you by the hand and say, I'm really sorry, I love you, and I really didn't mean that. And I did this and I explained it to you. The power and the intention of those words carries on for us. And so what he's writing in here is, it's more than about when we turn to the, when we turn to the word, turn to the scripture, being more than just about written words. But they can become alive. Now they only have power in life as God gives them to us through the Holy Spirit. But what he's trying to say to us is, these words can come alive within you. Now, here's a bizarre thing. Just flash, kind of fast-forwarding a little bit. John, the, the writer, one of the disciples of Jesus, he starts out his whole gospel account about the life of Christ. And he says, in the beginning was the Word. And he's talking about this existence, this power that goes on in the words, but the Word being the, the Word that gave life. Remember what happened in the very first of Genesis? God spoke... And creation came into existence. The power of creation carries on because God spoke life into creation. And he says, in the beginning was the Word. And then he says in verse 14, and the Word became human and lived among us. He's not referring to just some kind of physical thing. He's saying the power and the essence of the one who spoke creation in all the world, that the power of his word still carries on, and we experience it as we look around the room and feel and sense life within each one of us. That word became human and lived among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is the only one from the Father. That's Jesus. And so the author here in Psalms is telling us is. How can we keep our way pure, young folks, adults? By, by we keeping it according to your word. Not just, oh, I'm following the rules and regulations, but the word that gives life and sustains us. So the first idea is our security is found in the scriptures. The second thing I gleaned from this section is that our hunger for scripture shapes how we live. A deep hunger for God's Word is to be the impetus, the drive, the stimulus for our living. Look at all the words that he used throughout this passage in Psalm 119. He uses words like in verse 1, I want you to follow the instructions. Verse 2, obey the laws. I want you to walk in His paths. I want you to keep his commandments. I want your actions in verse 5 to reflect his decrees. I want in, in verse 6, compare my life with your commands. I want you to learn, he says in verse 7. Obey, find. I want you to hide them in your heart. The idea is like holding a treasure, not just stick it away in the back corner, but put something away like a treasure in your heart, the scriptures. I want you, oh God, that I would be teachable. He says in verse 13 that you would recite them aloud. Rejoice in them. In verse 15, he says you'd study them. I thought that was a fascinating word because it didn't mean like we'd think about studying for an exam. The idea was, I want you to commune on something. I want you to ponder something 
really deeply. And in the idea of what's going on in your life versus what you're experiencing versus what's being said, and, and commune on that. Ponder that. Think deeply on it. Meditate. Study that. Put application to it. And then he says, I want you to delight and not forget. The author's saying, I want you to be hungry for God's Word. You want a relationship with God? He's calling us to spend time with His Scriptures. Because it's not just a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's the, it's the Word that gives life. It's that power of the Word that was spoken giving life. And He wants us to look after Him, to follow Him, and commit ourselves in every way that we can possibly think of. You know, when Alan got his driver's permit, still picking on this a little bit, and as we release ourselves, and your parents maybe remember when they released you the first time to go drive on your own, you thought you were ready. I guarantee your parents were hoping you were ready, you know, and that you've got everything in lined up to do that, you know, that you could go out and be safe, but most of the time it's not worried about you and your driving. What would they always say? Watch for the other person, right? Because they may not decide that you're not going to follow all the rules today. They might decide that a rolling stop or no stop is okay. That yellow is just press the accelerator a lot faster. You know, zoom on as fast as you can through the intersection. That the first moments of red are when you just really need to just gas all the way through, you know. And the Bible's not meant to be like that. You know, our life's not meant to be lived. There's order in how we live. There's security in that. And then we should be a hunger. You know, we're a people of hobbies, aren't we? Especially in our culture in the western part of the world. We have all kinds of hobbies. You know, um, it was hard for Rob to tell DJ he was the fastest person in the race yesterday. You know, I can just tell you, he struggled with that. We had to pray for him and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> But he's got watches to help manage his time and GPS location, how fast he's going, the pace we go. We have hobbies. Well, there's photographers, and you're going to spend a lot of time in camera and lenses. Yeah. Um, we're going to spend uh, whatever your hobbies are, if it's rebuilding cars or whether it's sewing or reading or things, you focus on it. We're, we're kind of the creatures of that in this culture, right? We pick on things to, to get a break away from the rest of the part of our world and our life. We need a break from that for a little bit. And I remember a fellow who tried to mentor me about teaching and teaching God's Word, and he kept just quoting Scripture all the time. I said, how are you doing that? I mean, there's a lot here. Now, how do you know which one? And he just, oh, you know, I said, I pressed and pressed him. I said, it's really meaningful. You just keep quoting things. And he said, well, I remember the story when Moses brought over 2 million people up to the promised land and God said, this is as far as you're going to go. And I'm going to hand it off to the next leader to take the people across into the promised land. And it's pretty clear the scriptures, Moses had pinned out all that we know of as the first five books. They called that the law, the Torah, this instruction it was from God, these instructions from God. And he said this to Joshua, the person to take his place. And this is in Joshua chapter 1. He said to him, 
I want you to study this book of the law. And don't let it depart from your mouth. I want you to meditate on it day and night. Be careful, Joshua, that you do everything that's written in it. For then you'll make your way prosperous and you'll, then you'll have success. You know, Jeff, if that was good enough for Joshua, I figured it was good enough for me and I need to spend time where I'd spend every day. So he, he shows me, lets me in on a little memory secret and how he had some cards, some flashcards, and how he did memory. And I just dedicated myself to it, thinking, I'm just put God's word to memory. Interesting, a few years later, I'm in the book of Jeremiah, and I'm reading through it. And Jeremiah is writing all this prophecy, and he says a curious thing. He said, and then I discovered your word, and I devoured it. And it became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I've been called by your name, the God of heaven's armies. The prophets got it. Moses got it. Joshua got it. Why don't we get it? How about a new hobby for 2015 from this point on? Guys and gals, how about you take up a hobby of God's word? Make it a daily kind of, you're going to take it in. I want you to take all these keys. I want you to recite it out loud. I want you to sing it. I want you to memorize it. I want you to read it. I want you to study it, commune on it, think about it, meditate. What if we did that as a people? You think a response like you read and we saw at a Charleston from the church of people who just sit there in a Bible study in a prayer meeting and watch people shot and killed and they'd say, I forgive you. You think that comes naturally? That comes from God. That comes from time communing here. You know where I'd like to go spend a Bible study and prayer time with? That group of people in Charleston. Oh my goodness. They've really, they've really honed into a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Well, the last point is this. Have you ever wondered what God's plan is for you? Hear me, hear me again. Have you ever wondered what God's plan is for you in your life and what you're to do? Have you wondered like, oh, what's the next step? I don't know what to do. And when, God, what are you doing? Have you ever been there? You're supposed to shake your head yes. I, think, I, I was thinking that was a question everybody could say. Yeah, I've always wondered. I've wondered that often. Well, this, these verses give us an idea about that. Our way, the way he intends for us, is paved in Scripture. You might think, oh, I've been reading it all over the place and I can't find it. You know, I've even done the, you know, Throw the Bible on the couch and whatever verse, you know, chap page opens up. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to look for, what is it? How do I know? Well, the author used two words in this, um, in this chapter, in these verses, to talk about our path or our way. The first one, he said in verse 3, that we would walk only in his paths. And in verse 15, he said that we would reflect in your ways, O oh God. The idea of the first one was talking about the physical path, that you'd get on the, you know, I'm on the right path. I'm just going to get there and get on the physical path. The other idea was I want to reflect on the journey. God does have a plan for us. And it seems, according to this author, is as we look and turn to Scripture and become hungry for God's Word, asking the Holy Spirit to empower it into our lives and, and make it commune with what's going on in our world around us, that we'll find not only God's path, but we'll, we'll start seeing the picture of that journey that he has for us. Hey, there's nothing like being sure about where you're going. I, I can tell you from personal example, I said, did you put that in the GPS? <laughs> you know, 
She'll feel better if she knows that, or I no, I've been here, I know where I'm going, and then she feels comfortable with it. But if both of us are going somewhere we've never been before, did you look it up? No, I thought you did. Oh, you know, and then you're, you're relying on something else, right? You're relying on something plugged into the GPS. Well, there's nothing like knowing exactly where you're going. And that you might know, not know each detail and each tour, uh, turn along the way, but the indirections plugged in properly. Guess what we have in life? You get it, don't you? Our Heavenly Father loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He has a plan and a purpose and intent that He can pour out and wants to play out in your life. And we can find His path. We can understand what He wants for us. And guess what's there? It's, it's security. It's comfort. There's peace. There's joy. In the very first verse, He said, Joyful are people of integrity. The word there is idea of complete, blameless or complete. When you're on the right path with God, his path is complete. Am I a blameless person? No. But he loved me so much that he took me in the arms of his son and he set me on a path of eternal life. And I know where the end point of my GPS is leading me. Do you? I may not know every turn that's going on. I may not know the obstacles that I face. And the enemy who wants to run a red light and try to take out my life or my family or what's going on. But I can know that the God who's in me is greater than he's in the world. That my heavenly father has a great intention for me because he loves me. Joy brings great calmness to us. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And suddenly there's a peace and a joy that rises up. Does that mean everything's right? No. But it means I have found that place with my Father. There's a comfort that knowing that God's going along the path with us. And the very night that Jesus was betrayed by one of his own, one of the closest that he knew had betrayed him, he turns to the other disciples and he said, I'm, I'm going away for sure. My time has come. And he was speaking of his own death. He said, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to the Father, our Father, and he's going to send another. And the word that's used there is a comforter. An advocate. Someone that, who goes along with us along the way. You hunger for God's word? Guess what? The comforter comes along beside us and instructs us. You're curious about your way for life and what he's going to do? The comforter, the Holy Spirit, comes along. We find answers in life within God's word. It's living. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So let me ask you these three questions. Let's connect our head here with God's Word. It takes a mental effort to say, I'm going to move towards that direction. I'm going to take up a new pastime. 
a new hobby I'm going to add to my life, and I'm going to make it God's Word. There's something about what Jeff said today in the experience of life. I want to move that way. And if that's you, I'd like you to think about it and dedicate yourself today that I'm going to take up a new level of God's Word in my life. How's your spiritual or scriptural appetite and nourishment? Maybe you're getting a dose, but the nourishment level is not right, quite right. How is it? And how are you at developing your relationship with the Heavenly Father? Because if we follow what the psalmist says, he says, you want to experience a great happy day and a happy day for your Heavenly Father? How about we lean into Him and spend some time as I realize electronic quibbles not knowing what's going on at all. Guess what we can depend on? Guess what we can depend on? We can depend on our Heavenly Father. So today, uh, as the worship team comes forward, I'd like you to reflect on it. And if, that, if we said anything today, if anything there's like, I'd like to lean into more to God's Word. I, I'd like to lean into more understanding what my path is for life and how to get there, what to do. If there's other things that are going on in your life and you're wondering how to connect them, you want to spend there, can you come forward for prayer? Kevin, while they're getting ready, were there any words that were shared out of this morning's um, pre-service prayer that might be helpful? Hope your mic works better than mine. Um, okay, so I, I want to read you a scripture this morning. Uh, it's Second uh, Corinthians 3, uh, verse 15 and following. Yes, even today when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil and they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is a spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is a spirit, makes us more and more like him as we're, cha as we're changed into his glorious image. Um, so I believe this morning there's, there's an invitation on two levels from the scripture. Uh, number one, may maybe there's some of us who are feeling insecure in, in the love of Christ. Uh, maybe today you you'd like to have a personal relationship uh, with God. You feel like you're you have that veil or you're separated from Him. Um, you know, instead of the God of Heaven, He can be my God and my my Jesus. Um, so if that's you, if you'd like to have um, a personal relationship uh, with Jesus, um, I just encourage you to come forward. Uh, on the left-hand side, and, and we'd love to talk and pray with you. Secondly, maybe there's some of you who, uh, who already know the Lord, and you want more of his spirit. You want more of that freedom, uh, more of that understanding in God's word. Um, I, I believe there's an invitation um, for that, too, and you can come up on the right-hand side. Uh, and, and if you'd like prayer for anything else, uh, something Jeff said, uh, anything else going on in your life, we'd love to spend a few minutes uh, praying with you. Heavenly Father, thank you for being here today. Happy Father's Day.
we want to be a people that love you, express that love, feel your love, and then share that love back out around the world. Holy Spirit, would you come right now and just minister among us, break out among us right now with joy and peace and security? Thank you. You know, if today you've come and you've got a greater hunger for God's Word or you want a greater sense of joy or maybe God's got a a Word on you that you're supposed to share and do that and put it in somebody else's life and be a ministry to them, why don't you come forward for prayer today? Why don't you come forward and let's see what God's going to do. Holy Spirit, we just break out in this place. They're going to finish and sing and close out a song and you're dismissed if you're not coming forward for prayer and enjoy coffee and time and together out in the foyer. May God bless you and happy Father's Day to all.